your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 289 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and Rangers coming off of another really difficult, really tough to swallow, just total gut punch loss to the Boston Bruins, 3-2 in overtime in Madison Square Garden last night. On the plus side, the Rangers do get a point, but that's really small consolation when you enter last night's action in last place in the division. Now, granted, the standings are tight, and every little bit helps, but... There's no way to sugarcoat it. That was another really, really tough loss last night for this New York Ranger team. A game that I thought, you know, did they have the better play? I don't know that we can definitively say that for sure. I would maybe give them a slight edge, but just the fact that it was competitive against one of the best teams in hockey and a team that's been on fire coming into this game, you hope that they uh, would get a better fate than what they got. And we're going to get to all the details of this game in just a second here. But first, just wanted to go through a couple of random announcements here. Uh, First of all, The NHL has announced that the game between the Flyers and the Rangers that was originally scheduled for this Sunday has been postponed. A couple of players on the Flyers are in the NHL's COVID protocol, including Claude Giroux, Justin Braun, and Travis Sanheim. And so that game is postponed. I do not see a makeup date as of yet. The other interesting bit of news here is that the Rangers are going to start allowing approximately 2,000 fans back into Madison Square Garden starting on February 23rd. Venues in New York will be allowed on that date going forward to have uh, 10% capacity, up to 10% capacity, whether it's for uh, a sporting game of any kind or a concert of any kind. It sounds like all arenas, venues, stadiums, whatever you want to call it in New York, uh, will be allowed to have up to 10% capacity. And so for Madison Square Garden, about 2,000 fans going to be allowed in for Ranger games. That's interesting. But the other big news to come out of this game, and again, we'll, we'll get to the finer details in just a minute here. But Artemi Panarin uh, was nursing an injury basically from the second period all the way through the third period. His ice time was way down late in the second period. Didn't play at all toward the end of the second. And then in the third period, I believe he was only out there for the one power play opportunity that the Rangers had. He tried to gut it out. Uh, he took a couple shifts after he was injured. But every time he would go back to the bench, he was kind of uh, you know doubled over in pain. And it sounds like it's now a lower body injury. So that's obviously not good. I don't think I have to sit here and explain to you guys that not having Panarin is going to hurt this Ranger team. I, I I don't think a lengthy explanation is needed there. Something that I found interesting, though, the Rangers, when they were going without Panarin, they actually moved Philip DiGiuseppe onto the second line to take Panarin's spot. Personally, I think I would have preferred to see Alexi Lafreniere get that chance just because I think there's more offensive upside, but I can't go crazy about it either because on this show, I've talked about wanting Lafreniere to uh, get some continuity as far as his line mates are concerned and what position he's playing and, and which line he's on. So if you want to leave him on the third line, that's okay. And Philip DiGiuseppe, I can't argue with that either because this guy goes out there and plays his tail off every single night. And he's actually accounted for more points than you would think he would have uh, thus far in the season. 
He's already up to five assists and has really been one of the Ranger overachievers early in the season. But I figure we might as well, you know, kind of looking at this entire game here, we might as well start with the overtime period, if for no other reason than to just get this out of the way, because there were some positives in this game, and we'll get to those for the Rangers. But overtime obviously didn't go the way the Rangers wanted it to. They start with a line of Zibanejad, Buchnevich, and Fox, and those three players were indeed still on the ice when the game ended. But Zibanejad loses the faceoff clean. The Bruins get an early opportunity, and Adam Fox, who had a tremendous game to begin with, kind of put the exclamation point on his performance here. Georgiev was beat on this play. The puck was going into the net, and Adam Fox headfirst dive across the goal crease to block the puck from going into the net. Keeps the game alive for the time being, and then you get a two-on-one for the Rangers going immediately back in the opposite direction, and Buchnevich tries to make a pass to his left to Adam Fox. Unfortunately, McAvoy is there. He intercepts the pass clean and uh, dishes up the boards into the neutral zone. Brad Marchand is all by himself there, and uh, he goes in and scores on the breakaway. Alex Georgiev, I thought, overall played pretty well in this game. When you look at the goals that he gave up in regulation, only two goals allowed in regulation, and both of them were the direct results of just miscues by the Rangers. Georgiev made some nice saves overall. It wasn't like a stand-on-your-head performance, but overall I thought he was solid. But one thing that's definitely been an Achilles heel for Alex Georgiev in this season, and it reared its head twice in this game, is he is really struggling on one-on-one -on -one breakaways. And now, granted, going one-on-one -on -one with a guy like Brad Marchand, I know that a lot of us probably aren't big fans of him, but he is one of the more talented players in the league. It's not an easy task to stop him in, in, in the overtime period there. But Georgiev, I don't know. Anytime somebody's been going one-on-one -on -one with him this season, I don't have a good feeling that he's going to come up with the save. And I don't know what the solution there is, but it's not just that he's not making the saves. It almost looks like he has next to no chance to make the save. And I I don't want to do this to Georgiev. I don't want to just come on here and, and make it sound like he's this awful goalie and the Rangers need to get rid of him and all this stuff. Again, I do think he played pretty well overall last night, but that has been an Achilles heel for him so far this season. You got to call it like you see it. And unfortunately, uh, Marchand going in there one-on-one -on -one with Georgiev able to uh, net the overtime game winner there and, and give the Bruins a 3-2 to victory. You know what? I'm actually not done talking about Brad Marchand just yet. I was going to save this for a little bit later in the episode, but you know what? We're already talking about him. We might as well go ahead and call him out here for something that happened in last night's game in the third period. So Artemi Panarin clearly playing injured in this game. I think anybody with two eyes can probably figure that out. Even if you've never watched hockey before, you can tell clearly something's wrong with this guy. He looks like he's in pain. He's doubled over on the bench. Uh, you know, he's he's grimacing. And there's a situation in the third period, I believe the Rangers were on the power play, and this might have been the only shift that Panarin took in the third period. I believe it was. But Panarin is just inside the Ranger blue line, and suddenly he's like along the boards there where the benches are. Brad Marchand basically just attacks him. I mean, just starts going after him, kind of shoving him in the face, and almost looking like he wants to fight him. And I tweeted about this too last night, you know. Brad Marchand, real tough guy there. You know, go after an injured non-fighter like Artemi Panarin. Takes a lot of guts to do that, Brad Marchand. You know, when is Brad Marchand going to step up to somebody like, I don't know, Ryan Lindgren? He seemed to have some really uh, strong opinions about Ryan Lindgren last season. There was a game last year where, you know, Lindgren and Marchand were going at it the entire game. And after the game was over, Marchand did an interview and he was asked about it. And he said something, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but he basically said, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I don't think that guy is going to be in the NHL for very long anyway. And to me, Look, smack talk is one thing. That's kind of a low blow when you start commenting on someone's career prospects. I just think that's completely uncalled for, where he's saying that this guy's just going to fall out of the league. First of all, he's wrong. Anybody who's watched Ryan Lindgren over these last couple seasons here, you guys can tell he seems to have a very bright future in this league. I mean, nothing is guaranteed, but 
he's firmly entrenched as a top four defenseman in the Ranger lineup, and he's been very solid this season, and I don't think he's going anywhere. And secondly, and even more hilariously, Brad Marchand, whether he realizes it or not, is completely disrespecting his own organization when he says that Ryan Lindgren is going to basically just drop out of the league and be a complete afterthought and just a footnote in NHL history. And the reason that's the case is because the Boston Bruins drafted Ryan Lindgren and they took him in the second round. They took him early. It's not like this was a flyer, uh, you know, let's just take a shot on this Ryan Lindgren guy in the seventh round here. No, he was a second round draft pick by the Boston Bruins. And of course, he came over to the Rangers in the Rick Nash trade. Uh, I feel like there's a very good chance that Brad Marchand is not aware that the Bruins drafted Ryan Lindgren. And this is something that I've talked about in the past, but you never know, we might have new listeners. And to compare him to somebody else in the league and somebody that most Ranger fans don't really like and most hockey fans probably don't like that much either, unless you're a Capitals fan, let's compare him to Tom Wilson, okay? Now, again, he's not somebody who, if you're not a fan of the Capitals, that you're going to be very high on. You're not going to have a very high opinion of. But one thing you have to say about Tom Wilson, he is legitimately uh, one of the toughest players in the NHL, one of the best fighters in the NHL. And yeah, he goes out there and he stirs it up and he causes problems and he does some controversial things and occasionally might lay in a cheap shot. There's a lot of reasons why people and fans and other players around the league do not like Tom Wilson. But one thing you have to say about Tom Wilson, if you as an opposing player, have the temerity to step up to him and challenge him to a fight, he's going to oblige. He's going to say yes, and he's going to drop the gloves. His attitude is like, hey, man, it's your funeral. You know, you want to fight me? Fine, let's do it. Brad Marchand is completely gutless. I want to see him, if Brad Marchand really wants to make a statement, instead of attacking an injured Artemi Panarin, how about he steps up to Ryan Lindgren after he had all those things to say about him last season? Or you know what? How about he steps up to Pavel Buchnevich? You know, Buchnevich and him, Buchnevich cross-checked Marchand in the back last year after Marchand had cross-checked Ryan Lindgren in the back after a play stoppage. And after Marchand went after Panarin in this game, Buchnevich and Marchand were kind of exchanging words uh, before the next face-off. So you know what? Marchand, you're such a tough guy. Step up to Buchnevich or step up to Ryan Lindgren in the next game. And if you're the Rangers, look, you can't get too caught up in this because... Getting your pound of flesh against Brad Marchand is not what's important. What's important is finding a way to win this game on Friday in this ultra-competitive division. Find a way to at least salvage a split against this tough Boston Bruins team if you can do that and get those two points because, again, that is far more important than exacting retribution on Brad Marchand. But I've said my piece. I've said what I need to say about Brad Marchand. Uh, We can move on in just a second here and just talk about the game, uh, some of the biggest highlights, some of the biggest talking points to come out of this uh, 3-2 loss here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. 
Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Real quick, I thought we could do a standings update here just to give you guys a little bit of an idea of just how jumbled it is right now, just how tight it is, and just how big every single point is this season. Again, just 56 games. Uh, the Rangers, with that one point for the overtime loss last night, they now, instead of being in a three-way tie for last place in the Eastern Division, they are now in a tie with the Pittsburgh Penguins for fifth place in the Eastern Division and just a single game behind the Islanders for that all-important fourth place spot because as we all know the top four teams in every division make the playoffs uh, it should be noted though that yes the Rangers are tied with the Penguins but the Penguins have played one fewer game than the Rangers have that's also true of the Islanders so both those teams have one game in hand on the Rangers and then the two teams that are trailing the Rangers you got the Devils they have 10 points in just nine games and the Sabres have 10 points in 10 games so yeah, the Rangers are ahead of the Devils and Sabres in the standings technically, but it's only by one point, and the Devils have three games in hand on the Rangers, and the Sabres have two games in hand against the Rangers. So it's hard to say that the Rangers are definitively ahead of both those teams, but again, this just kind of gives you an idea of how tight the standings really are right now. Some positives last night. I think we can start with the fourth line for the Rangers. And it's funny because this game was the game after the Rangers were victimized by their opposition's fourth line, that of course being the Islanders. Uh, the Clutterbuck line scoring two goals for the Islanders late in the third period to give the Islanders a 2 to nothing win over the Rangers. And then the following game for the Rangers... It's their own fourth line that really takes off, really makes some things happen. In fact, the Ranger fourth line accounted for both goals in this game for the Rangers. Uh, big shout-out to Julian Gauthier. He finally gets his first career goal. He's been really close a couple of times this season. Hit the post once or twice in the first few games there. But this was all set up by an excellent hustle play by Brian Lemieux. Lemieux wins a board battle and ends up with the primary assist. He just basically dishes in front and went off the stick of a Bruin and goes right to Gauthier, and Gauthier stuffs it home. Stuff and goal. First career goal. Rangers go up one to nothing at that point. So, uh, again, just a great play by Brandon Lemieux. He actually ended up with two assists on this night. And Kevin Rooney was also in there on the four check, making it happen there as well. And then later in the game, when the Rangers were down two to one, again, it's the fourth line that comes through. Ryan Lindgren takes a shot from the blue line, and Brandon Lemieux and Kevin Rooney both in front of the Bruin net. They're both fighting for position there. Lemieux lifts his stick and appears to deflect the puck. And then it falls down to the ice, and Kevin Rooney is there, and he stuffs it in from the doorstep. And there was some confusion there about whether this goal would be allowed to stand or not, because it looked like Brandon Lemieux might have touched it with a high stick. But as it turns out, that's actually irrelevant, because due to something of a loophole here, that play is not reviewable because it wasn't Brian Lemieux's high stick that the Rangers scored on. He simply touched the puck, it bounced off of Rask, and it fell to the ice, and then Rooney was the one who scored, and obviously Rooney didn't use a high stick. So uh, kind of a weird situation there. I wouldn't even be surprised if the NHL looks at maybe changing uh, that rule in the future where you can review high sticks that lead to goals, not necessarily the high stick that directly puts the puck into the net. We'll see how that goes, but the way the rules stand right now, uh, the refs made the correct ruling here, and... The Rangers tie the game late in the third period at 2-2. But it's just really unfortunate that in a game where the Ranger fourth line produces two goals, 
you really want to win that game, man. You don't want to give that away because if the Ranger fourth line is, is scoring twice, you would think that maybe some other guys are putting the puck in the net. And again, to continue another season-long theme here, the Rangers once again ran into a hot goalie. Tuka Rask was absolutely fantastic in this game, really kind of stole the win for the Boston Bruins. And it just continues this season-long theme of the Rangers running into hot goalie after hot goalie after hot goalie after hot goalies. Guys just seem to stand on their heads against the Rangers this season. And I'm not looking for any sympathy or anything like that for the Rangers. That's not how this works. But you would just think law of averages by now, the Rangers would have just caught one goalie or another on an off night. I mean, it's Tuka Rass, so at least with him, you kind of expect it. You can kind of accept the fact that, you know, you're up against one of the best in hockey, and it's going to be a really tough challenge to beat him. But man, every single goalie has his A-plus game against the Rangers, and that obviously continued last night, and only the fourth line, apparently, could solve Tuka Rask. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Something else that we got to talk about here, I thought it was a key, key sequence in this game and basically just summed up the night in more ways than one, really, for both these teams. But happened in the second period, like I said, the Rangers are on the power play, and Chris Kreider goes in up the left wing, makes an absolutely beautiful cross-ice pass to Mika Zibanejad on the doorstep. Zibanejad seems certain to score the tap-in goal here. Kreider put it right on a tee for him. Unfortunately, Tuka Rask on this night was Tuka Rask, as we discussed, and he made a fantastic glove save, kind of sliding back to his left there. Uh, he didn't actually squeeze the puck with his glove, but he got enough of it to knock it out of harm's way and deny Mika Zibanejad the goal. So that was really, really unfortunate to see there. And then to make it worse, later in this power play, Panarin has the puck at the point, and he tries to make a pass, but unfortunately, it's stolen. And Chris Wagner goes in alone on the breakaway and beats Alex Georgiev to tie the score at 1-1 about midway through the second period there with a shorthand goal. You never want to give up a shorty. And on top of that, this was basically a two-goal swing, which you don't see very often in the NHL. But the Rangers came oh so close to scoring and taking a 2-0 lead and feeling really, really good about themselves too. Chris Wagner steals the puck. 
goes in alone, scores on a breakaway, and instead of the Rangers being up by two goals, the game is now tied. We talked about Mika for a second there as well, and this kind of leads me into the next point that I wanted to bring up, and that is, of course, that he is still struggling to produce points. I did think he was a lot more visible, a lot more engaged in this game last night. It looked like the goal was coming. Like we said, uh, Tuka Rask committed highway robbery on the power play opportunity that Mika Zibanejad had. Mika had a couple of other chances. There were a couple of instances in the first period, uh, one that really stood out to me, where I thought that Mika probably should have taken the shot and he instead decided to pass. Again, there was only one that I thought was kind of flagrant, but on this play, he received a pass in kind of the high slot area, and so many times last season, we would see him turn this into a one-timer. He would just wind up and blast a slap shot, and it would go into the net, and it would be a goal. Instead, he kind of went for like a one-touch pass in deep. I forget which player was there, but he passed to somebody who was almost like in the corner for the Rangers and was behind the Bruins' goal line. Now, it did create a little bit of a scoring opportunity, but man, I, I think if Mika just lets it rip there, he's got a better chance of scoring uh, than the Rangers have of scoring if he did what he did here, which is to pass the puck and, and give up uh, an excellent scoring opportunity in what I thought was pretty prime real estate there. And look, you only have a fraction of a second to make that decision. So I'm not going to go crazy on Mika for that. He tried to set up his teammate. It didn't work out. Uh, but like we said, he was close. He also got another opportunity while the Rangers were shorthanded. Kevin Rooney makes a nice play in the neutral zone and just kind of pushes the puck ahead to Mika to spring him on a breakaway. And Tuka Rask comes up with a right shoulder save I was kind of waiting for that classic Mika breakaway move where he goes in with a lot of speed, pulls the puck to his backhand, and then just looks to roof it. But unfortunately, he was not able to score here. Tuka Rask, like I said, got a piece of it with his right shoulder and uh, kept the puck out. So, uh, man, you know, when, when it rains, it pours if you're Mika's advantage at. I would almost equate this to, you know, the, the sport that I always played more than any other growing up was, was baseball. And when you're in a hitting slump, you feel like you can't buy a hit. And I think it's kind of the same thing when you're trying to get a goal and you're somebody like Mika Zibanejad. Because in baseball, it seems like no matter what you do, you cannot buy a hit to save your life. I mean, you hit a bullet, it goes right at somebody. You hit a little chopper on the infield and you think like, oh, maybe I can beat out an infield hit here. And then you're safe and the umpire calls you out. It's just a situation where when it rains, it pours. And Mika Zibanejad, despite having a couple of scoring opportunities last night and looking dangerous, multiple times in this game, once again comes up empty. And how's this for a stat? I had to look this up to know this for sure, but a thought occurred to me while I was watching this game last night, and then I double-checked it. Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider have not assisted each other for a goal all season. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. Mika only has one goal, Kreider has four, but on none of these five goals has the other player picked up an assist, not even a secondary assist. And that chemistry that we saw so often last season, those two linking up for so many beautiful goals, uh, just hasn't quite been there. I think both players have gotten better as the season has progressed here. I would even say that was maybe Mika Zibanejad's best game of the season last night, despite him not scoring. But that's just really hard to believe because here we are now, 12 games into the season, and no goals for Mika or Kreider as the result of an assist from the other player. Very, very hard to believe. You got to believe it's coming. But yeah, I mean, hopefully sooner rather than later for the sake of the Rangers. The Rangers also predictably were dominated in the faceoff circle last night. I mean, when you're going up against a team that is the best in the league at winning faceoffs, as the Bruins are, and you yourself are second to last at winning faceoffs, you're probably going to have a lopsided result, and that's what happened here. Uh, the Bruins winning 69% of the faceoffs last night. I was worried about this going into the game. Fortunately, in regulation, it never really seemed to uh, hurt the Rangers all that badly. 
Neither of Boston's goals were the result of somebody winning an offensive zone draw. Uh, we already mentioned the one, the shorthanded goal where Artemi Panarin turned the puck over. The other goal came as a result of Jacob Truba basically just wiping out, and that allowed Bjork and DeBrus to basically uh, just execute a give-and-go goal, and Bjork scores nine minutes into the third period to give the Bruins a 2-1 to lead at that time. Uh, Truba was yelling at the referee after this, but I got to be totally honest with you guys. I didn't really see anything. I mean, there was a little bit of contact, but I didn't see Bjork trip him up or anything like that. I mean, it's possible that I missed it, but yeah, Truba just kind of wiped out there. So both Ranger goals that they allow in regulation coming as the result of just miscues, you know, just just mistakes that the Rangers are going to have to try to clean up a little bit going forward. Overall, though, I thought they played a very sound defensive game. If you watch this game, especially early, like in the first period, the Bruins, all their shots, whatever shots they were getting, were all coming from kind of the perimeter. They weren't getting into those prime real estate scoring areas, and I think that's a testament to how far the Rangers have come defensively as a team since last Last season. I mean, that is an area where they are clearly better this season than they were last season. We'll go through some other highlights of the third period, just kind of take you guys through it step by step here. I'm trying to kind of do a hybrid of play-by-play recapping and overall analysis of everything that happened and talking points to come out of the game. I heard back from a couple of you guys. I, I asked you guys in a recent episode, you know, which would you prefer more of? So I'm trying to strike that right balance because it was kind of a 50-50 split from those of you that I heard from. Some people want the period-by-period recaps. Other people want analysis. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go through the third period. That's when uh, it was obviously crunch time for both of these teams, and obviously a lot happened in the third period as well. We already mentioned Panarin's injury. He only was able to play in the third period when the Rangers had the power play opportunity. There was also a really weird instance when the game was still tied at one, a really sloppy line change by the Rangers. They only had two players on the ice, the two defensemen. No forwards jumped onto the ice. I'm not sure what happened there. If the line change just wasn't called out properly or what the deal was. I don't know, but it easily could have been basically a five on two rush into the zone for the Bruins of sorts. But fortunately the Rangers uh, got out there in time to, uh, you know, get into position and not allow that to happen. But that was very bizarre to see. You don't see that very often. Uh, Lafreniere almost picked up his first career assist. He made a beautiful cross ice pass to Julian Gauthier. Rass made a sliding save. That would have been great to see Lafreniere get his first career assist and Gauthier get his second goal of his career and second goal of the game as well. But unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be there. Like we were saying, Tuka Rasso's money in this game for the Bruins. You got to tip your hat uh, when the occasion calls for it. We also got a fight between Anthony Potato and Chris Wagner. Wagner basically hooked Potato down. Potato didn't like it. He got up. The gloves are off. And uh, Potato definitely won this fight. I wouldn't say by knockout, but I'd say he definitely won by decision here. And like we've talked about in some previous episodes, it's going to be very, very interesting when the Ranger defensemen start to get healthy, when guys like Jack Johnson are available to come back, and I think Brandon Smith is due back fairly soon. Uh, do these guys get back into the lineup? Should they get back into the lineup? I think Liber Hayek and Anthony Batetto have overall played pretty well, and it's showing up in the score sheet. You know, the Rangers are not giving up a lot of goals right now, so... I don't know. I, I think if you're the Rangers, you might really want to give some consideration to leaving Hayek and Batetto in there, especially Hayek. Now, Batetto, you could say, like, well, you know, he's just kind of the veteran journeyman. He's not really a huge part of the Rangers' future, it wouldn't seem, although he is under contract for next season as well. But with Liber Hayek, I, I think you got to give him at some point the chance to, uh, you know, stake his claim to a spot in this lineup because he's somebody who the Rangers acquired in that JT Miller-Ryan McDonough trade to the Lightning. He's somebody who was a former second-round draft pick, and sooner or later, you got to see what you have here and uh, give Liber Hayek some rope and give him a chance to uh, firmly entrench himself in the Ranger lineup every night. I thought Ryan Strom really had a nice game for the Rangers as well. He had an excellent steal. This is going back into the second period, but he had an excellent steal of the puck, uh, just 
moving into the Bruins zone and went hard to the net and forced the Bruins to take a penalty. The Rangers got a power play out of it. Unfortunately, they were not able to score, and that was actually the power play where the Bruins scored shorthanded. So that didn't work out, but obviously a nice play by Ryan Strom there. And then in this period, right after Rooney tied the game at two, Strom got the puck in the attacking zone and put it right off the near post. He seemed to think it was in, but alas, it was not in. It drew iron. But Strom, I thought overall, pretty nice game, and he's somebody that obviously the Rangers are going to need going forward because Mika Zibanejad still struggling to find the scoring touch. Philip Heedle's injured. Rangers are tremendously thin at center, so uh, obviously uh, Ryan Strom becomes a very, very important player for this team going forward, and that goes double if they're going to be without Artemi Panarin for any amount of time. Uh, you could say that about any player on the team, that everybody's going to have to step up, but I think that especially holds true for Ryan Strom. We know he can go out there and produce when he's with Artemi Panarin, but can he elevate a Capo Caco? Can he elevate an Alexi Lafreniere if Lafreniere ends up on the second line? Can he elevate a Philip DiGiuseppe if the Rangers choose to go with Philip DiGiuseppe? And we don't even know for sure that Panarin's going to be out for the next game, but if that indeed ends up being the case, Ryan Strom is somebody that's going to really have to step up for this Ranger team going forward. And then one last really bizarre thing that happened in the third period, I don't know if Tuka Rast forgot the score or if maybe he thought there was a delayed penalty against the Rangers. You know, I was thinking maybe a linesman had his arm in the air, and for whatever reason, Tuka Rast thought that it was the referee that had his arm in the air and thought that a penalty was forthcoming against the Rangers. But for whatever reason, Tuka Rast, with about a minute left or maybe a little bit less than a minute, starts skating to the Bruins bench. And he's going to go off for an extra attacker. And the entire Bruins bench is yelling at him to go back to the net. He eventually does. Uh, unfortunately for the Rangers, the Bruins had possession of the puck throughout this entire uh, sequence here. Would have been nice if the Rangers could have stolen the puck and put the puck right into the empty net. That would have been hilarious. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And uh, we go to overtime and you guys know how this one ended. But a uh, couple other points I just wanted to make here. Let's try to be glass half full. Let's understand the fact that the Rangers are playing the Bruins again on Friday. They played well in this game. They didn't get the result. They lose in overtime. But the nice thing here is that if the Rangers can pick up a regulation win against the Bruins on Friday, then they have won the series. And I realize both teams have one win, but the Bruins win would have been in overtime. The Rangers get a point there. If the Rangers win Friday's game, and I realize that's easier said than done against a fantastic team like the Boston Bruins, but if the Rangers can win that game in regulation, they get two points and the Bruins get none. And throughout the two games, the Rangers get three points, the Bruins get two, the Rangers win the series. So let's go ahead, get a regulation win against the Bruins, and, and take... Uh, this two-game set uh, against one of the best teams in hockey there. That would be big for the Rangers. And overall, it feels like the Rangers are close. They are so close, and they're close despite a lot of things not really going according to plan early in the season here. The Tony D'Angelo situation, you've got forwards in the top six that just can't seem to find the scoring touch right now. Up until recently, we've had subpar goaltending from the Rangers. I think that Igor Shesterkin has definitely figured it out recently. He's been very, very good. And Alex Georgiev was pretty good in this game last night as well. For the most part this season, you've had a power play that can create chances but can't finish them. And despite all of this, and despite being in the toughest division in hockey, Rangers right now, even coming off of a loss last night in overtime, technically only a point out of the playoffs. So let's try to be glass half full, and hopefully the Rangers can go out there, find a way to get it done on Friday against the Boston Bruins. And while I'm recording this, I might as well give you guys a quick Hartford Wolfpack update here as well. They are playing an afternoon game against the Providence Bruins on the road. They are up one to nothing about midway through the second period here. And Patrick Kodorenko has the lone goal of the game for the Hartford Wolfpack. He scored 841 into the second period unassisted. Keith Kincaid is a net. He stopped all 15 shots that he has faced thus far. 
Shots are currently 15-13 to 13 in favor of Providence, like I said, about midway through the second period here. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.